We're just getting a free session here. Yeah, this, this is, is awesome. This is free therapy. This is awesome. Are we going to get a bill? Like <laughs> Welcome to Obstacles and Opportunities with Lowell and Julie. Sharing stories, empowering mindsets. Today, we chat with two professional mountain bikers, married duo Haley Smith and Andrew Lesperance, better known as Lesby. They both ride for Norco Factory team as well as the Canadian national team, and Haley is currently in Tokyo ready to represent Canada at her first Olympic Games. We caught up with Haley and Lesby last week while they were in Andorra prepping for the upcoming Games. In this conversation, we learn about the beauty that is these incredible humans as well as their amazing partnership. Haley is a real role model for Fast and Female, as well as a mental health advocate. She's very honest about her ongoing journey with mental health. Lesby is on the Athletes Council for Cycling Canada and is one of Haley's main supports. Together, these two travel the globe racing and training. Keep your eyeballs on the television as Haley competes at the Tokyo Olympic Games on July 27th. Whatever the outcome, Haley, we hope you have an absolute blast. We see you. What's up? Hey. hey. And we hear you. Hey, guys. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Congratulations. So exciting. And where uh, are you right now? We're in Andorra. We just came from watching the Tour de France roll through. The tour passed 1K from our apartment. Oh, wow. Wow, you guys lead very exciting lives. You find out you're going to be competing for Canada at the Olympics. You just watch a leg of the Tour de France just outside your place. <laughs> yeah, it was very exciting. Well, we are incredibly honored that you are taking time out of your busy schedule from across the ocean to come chat with us. And your story is quite known to many, and we've been cheering alongside. And today, we really want to take a dive into this celebration how your setbacks have been setups, how your obstacles have been opportunities in your life, and some of those gifts that the pain and the struggle has given you through this time. We're joined by Andrew as well. Husband, happy anniversary, guys. When, when is the anniversary? The 21st. So close. We're the 28th. Oh. This is your one-year anniversary coming up? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a year for you guys. First year yeah. of marriage. Yeah, completely during a pandemic, but we've survived so far. So I feel like that's a good sign. Oh, yeah. If you survive first year of marriage during pandemic, then you'll survive forever. No problem. <laughs> Happy anniversary to you guys, too, then. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's uh, 14 years for us. So wow. we've been around the block a time. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of fun. We got married when we were six. So no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> marriage, teamwork, having to have communication. We would love to get to know the snapshot of both of your stories, and then we'll kind of delve deeper, hopefully, through this process. Is it creepy that we call you Lesby, even though we haven't met you in real life? It's all good. A lot of people. <laughs> That's what everyone us. calls him. Okay, good. That's what he was introduced to me as. Oh, okay. I knew his name was Andrew, but I have never called him Andrew from before we even met in person. Oh, that's fun. When we were in university, a friend introduced us to another friend named Sebastian, and he just introduced him as Sebastian. So he was always Sebastian to us. And then after we graduated from university, we learned his name was actually Marcel, but our friend just thought he looked like a Sebastian and just introduced to him to everybody as Sebastian. Renamed him. <laughs> wow. Okay, so who's born first? Maybe we go with that, that the story begins first. Andrew. So Andrew, yeah. Andrew Lesby, born first. So let's get a snapshot. Yeah, I was born and raised on the East Coast in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm the youngest of four boys. So we have a relatively large family, all very close. Did you grow up cycling? I grew up playing lots of different sports, but I did my first bike race when I was like 12 or 13. Hmm. 
And when I was 16, I kind of decided to go all in on cycling and specifically mountain bike. And I've just been kind of doing that ever since with the university degree in there. Oh, just toss in a university degree. No big deal. What's your degree in? I did mechanical engineering. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you doing anything with that now or, or what are your plans? I'm not doing anything specific with it right now, but I feel like that degree taught me how to learn and lots of great life skills from it. So I'm definitely using all of it. But yeah, time will tell if I use it in a specific way in the future. Definitely keep stores open though. That's for sure. Hey? Yeah, for sure. And about seven or eight years ago, we met. Did you guys meet through Norco? We did. Yeah. We actually met at Sea Otter Classic. It was my first time there. It was kind of my first year pursuing racing on an international level. And it was his second year with Norco, my first year with Norco. And I showed up at the venue and he was introduced to me as my teammate for the year. And we went on a bike ride and he proceeded to (laughs) kick my butt (laughs) on a really hard mountain bike ride the day before the Sea Honor Classic Uh. mountain bike race. I thought you were going to say he proceeded to flirt mercilessly. So that did not go in the direction I was no. anticipating. Okay. So I kept saying, go ahead. I, this, is, this is too hard for me. Just go ahead. And then he would do that thing where he rides just uncomfortably difficult enough <laughs> to drop me a little bit and then wait to the top of the yeah. climb. Maybe that was his version of flirting. <laughs> is that how cyclists flirt? <laughs> is, there, is there half wheeling in mountain biking? Is that a thing? Like Oh, yes. I feel like half wheeling becomes a thing the slower you go almost too on those climbs like steep climbs where he's just six inches ahead of you and he forces you to come back up but i hit the maximum heart rate i have ever seen ever on that bike ride yeah it's something to prove (laughs) yeah that's funny so norco team they didn't have any rules against like dating or being in a relationship with teammates lest it get awkward later did you like is this like forbidden territory or there was a rule that we didn't know about (gasps) exciting we were friends and teammates for the first year and then it just kind of clicked one day and mm. after national championships at hardwood and i just kissed him oh, oh, I love that. <laughs> nice. then our team manager got really mad oh. <laughs> now we have some contracts to review yeah so that was an actual conversation wow I guess um, you talked to Hattie about it. But. Yeah, he was pretty upset. He just didn't want it to like complicate things on the team. Yeah. If it didn't work out, that's awkward. Exactly. So yeah, he was unhappy at first. He gave me a lift back to the airport or something. And that was an awkward drive. But then luckily, he got home to his wife shortly after that. She talked some sense into She straightened him. about, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and just reminded him that that is the exact same way that they had met. <laughs> then smooth sailing from there. Yeah. So you sent her a thank you note in a fruit basket? Yeah, totally. <laughs> he quickly became very, very supportive of us. Nice. Uh, but success there. They say couples that sweat together stick together. So I've never heard that. <laughs> never. Very appropriate. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So kind of going down the deep dive, but Lesby, what did you think of the Haley Smith? The first time, that first year, and through this process, and her forward and kissing you. What yeah, I was, was going to say, more importantly, yeah. when she just kissed you. <laughs> so t- tell us about what, what was going on inside Lesby's mind. I just saw a pretty special girl, and I, I think I knew for a long time that I wanted to be with her, and maybe subconsciously I didn't want to mess it up, so I was reluctant to make the move. Good answer. Awesome. <laughs> and Haley, what were you thinking that moment? I just want to kiss him. Like, how were you feeling through that time? <laughs> I was pretty intimidated by him when I first met him. I felt super new to the cycling world. I really was. I was inexperienced. 
all the people that I was racing with seemed to have been doing it for so long. And I didn't really become air quotes serious at it until I was 18 or 19. So I was definitely intimidated by how fast he could ride and his skill. And I was also just a very shy person. So it was really uncomfortable for me to meet a handsome man and then have to go on a bike ride with him. It was just not a comfortable situation, but we just became such good friends. And mm. he was in Halifax in school and I was in Kingston in school. And we used to spend like two or three hours a night on Skype just doing our homework together. Like uh-huh. we just had this really high degree of comfort and familiarity with each other very quickly. And we were, we were just best friends. And then the first kiss was, <laughs> was encouraged by a little bit of alcohol. <laughs> Liquid courage. <laughs> at, a, at a party. So <laughs> I think that loosened my inhibitions a little bit and made me realize that this was just a relationship for me. Aww, Amazing. That's sweet. You have the three C's of a relationship, connection, chemistry, and compatibility. I thought you were going to make a joke and pull in some type of alcohol or something. <laughs> that's awesome. So fast forwarding, and there's lots that's happened, but getting married in pandemic and having mm-hmm. to change plans. It was definitely a challenge. We knew we wanted to get married and we just had to figure out a way to get it done. And We had to cancel our initial wedding. We had had everything planned and then we full on canceled it. And we said we're married three separate times to make sure that everyone who is really close in our lives could be there. But we had a city hall ceremony with just us to make it legal. And then we had a really small family only ceremony at my parents' house north of Toronto. And then later that fall, when we were able to get to Nova Scotia, we did the same with Leslie's family in Halifax. So are you going to celebrate all three of those anniversaries? (laughs) So the 21st anniversary is the legal ceremony. But if for some reason I forget about it, you have two fallbacks. Yeah. 29. Okay, 29. Um, (laughs) You have a safe window there. Yeah. Exactly. So you grew up near Toronto, Haley? Yes, I grew up in a town called Uxbridge. It's pretty small, but a lot of people have actually heard of it because it has such a huge trail network. Um, It has an Olympian, I hear. (laughs) We, We actually have a couple. Oh, do you? There was an equestrian show jumper that went when I was in high school. But yeah, small town Oxford, and I didn't really start cycling until I was into high school. I played hockey and I danced growing up. Those were kind of my main pursuits. And I'm sure we'll touch on this, but I had a mental health issue when I was 14 that saw me in the hospital and biking was kind of the way that I recovered from it. I found it after that issue and it's just been a central part of my life ever since. So I kind of gradually fell deeper and deeper into biking and now it's just what we do. Oh, that's awesome. Lowell can definitely relate to that. He often says that sport and in particular cycling saved his life as well. So there's the power of sport to get us through those difficult times in our life. And you have been quite open about your past struggles. Your vulnerability is really admirable. And as a psychologist, this is an area that I love to go and and delve into. So if you're comfortable, I'd be very interested in hearing about that story. What was the start of the anxiety and what was that focused on as a youth? Well, first of all, I'm very comfortable talking about it because I do believe that everyone has their things. And I've just had circumstances in my life that have forced me to maybe face them a little bit more. So I've become very familiar with them. It's just something about me, just like everyone has their things. But I was always pretty anxious. I was always a very tightly wound kid. My mom would tell you that I was always worried about things pretty much from day one. And the earliest I can remember it really impacting me was I was eight years old and I had just learned about the concept of mortality. 
And I started to have anxiety attacks before bed because I was terrified that I or someone in my family would die in their sleep. So I couldn't sleep. Like I didn't have full on insomnia, but it was a challenge for me to be alone at nighttime because these anxiety feelings were overwhelming. And then that kind of grew and morphed. And I think a thing with anxiety is that you look for things to control so that you feel more in control of the anxiety, even if it's about something totally separate. So I became really focused on academic success and sporting achievements in school. And that eventually led to the development of an eating disorder because I was trying to be so good at the sports I was doing. And I was trying to be so perfect about my fitness and my training and my health that I fell into some really bad food habits. Mm -hmm. This all snowballed. And by the time I was 14, in grade nine, I was hospitalized with anorexia. Not anorexia nervosa, it was anorexia undefined because they couldn't explain all these other aspects of the disorder that didn't fit the mold in terms of the anxiety and the existential issues and all that kind of stuff. And since then, the eating disorder habits have been really, really hard to shake. But I do know that they're a symptom of these other issues I have. And when those things, when the anxiety and bits of depression and that kind of stuff, when those feelings become stronger than the food issues, that's where my control goes. And I start to have food issues again. So it's something I've had to be really conscious of with cycling because it's easy to get confused because power to weight is such a thing that we talk about in cycling. Mm -hmm. I guess it's just a risk factor of coming into this sport, having already had this past history, but it kind of shaped who I am, the way I am, both in a bad and a good way. Mm -hmm. You mentioned at the beginning, these struggles can set you up for a lot of wins and a lot of really impactful moments in your life even though at the same time, mm -hmm. they can be heartbreaking. Yeah. So the challenges, the pain, those hardships, they leave gifts. And yeah. if you go and find the lessons and incorporate them, that's the resilience. That's the growth mindset we're looking for. What have you incorporated into your life? What have you learned from that past challenge? First of all, it doesn't actually feel like it's a past challenge. It feels like it's something that I'm still working on. And I, unfortunately or fortunately, I think I probably always will be working on it. Mm. The lessons are so plentiful that I don't know if I could just pinpoint one, but I'll just try to tell you a few. I guess I'm a very independent person and I like to have control over everything and I like to do things myself. And these situations have taught me that that's not always the best and you don't have to just soldier on by yourself. And that's where Leslie's been a huge help and my family and my coach. So I think it's taught me the importance of leaning on relationships and developing relationships and just how valuable those are. I also think that in some ways, some of the hallmarks of an eating disorder, like the fact that there's like an insane amount of discipline and willpower and single-minded focus, mm -hmm. I've been able to learn how to take those things and channel them into a positive pursuit, like, mm -hmm. well, specifically cycling. So even though those were kind of my downfall, they've also been what's allowed me to pursue this for a decade now. And maybe the more abstract silver lining or gift that it's given me is a lot of knowledge about myself. And I think a lot of people don't get to learn about themselves so deeply at such a young age. Mm -hmm. I had to confront pretty hard truths about my personality and life in general when I was 13 or 14. Yeah. You have a really big emotional antenna or you take a lot in and to have taken that in as a child, having to ask yourself questions or that self-understanding. Those are big questions to be asking as a young girl. And so learning strategies and tools 
getting the right people around you. And I do wonder about this idea of meaning and purpose. It sounds like you're trying to find meaning at a young age. And there's something kind of now coming out about your reason for being alive, why you're living, what you're doing, your messaging to share to other girls. What is the why that's coming out into your life now? Wow, that was, you really hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> I think the why, why do I do bike racing? Why do I feel like I'm here? What value do I contribute? I think for me, it's having the opportunity to impact other girls, whether they're, you know, 10 or 50 and show them that you don't have to be defined by what you've struggled with. I'm struggling to put it into words, but I hope that by doing what I do, I can show people that you can be who you are. You can be comfortable in your own skin. You can look after your health and you can achieve anything that you set your mind to, no matter what you've gone through. Specifically, I guess I really like working with other girls who have body image issues or things like that. And just trying to be a voice and a role model that I didn't have when I was going through those practical things. I didn't know a single other person who openly had an eating disorder when I was going through it. And I felt very isolated because of that. When people are vulnerable, when they're real, it brings us the closeness. I can feel that passion you have towards helping others. And that really is that gift. You are uniquely gifted to help these young girls, to use your voice in the position that you have, to give them that voice, to know that they're not alone in these struggles. And so I want to acknowledge you for that work. It's very, very mm -hmm. important work. And when you know your why, you can deal with any how. And so I hope that gives you that courage to keep going forward in your journey of being vulnerable and open and sharing your voice and your struggles. I think it's so cool yeah. that you and Catherine Pendrell were selected to represent Canada because both of you are blazing trails in different ways that I think are so huge. I'm going to start crying. I hate it when I do this. Ah. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I don't even have any daughters, but I just think it's so awesome watching you guys and what you're showing this next generation of girls and women, what they can do. Like you can have a baby and you can still be an Olympian. You can struggle with anxiety or disordered eating and you can still become an Olympian and you can just be a good person. So thank you. Thank you both. That was really kind. And I got a message from a friend on Instagram the other day. I've gone off social media around the games. I haven't been looking at it, but Andrew's been taking care of it for me. And he sent me this message from a friend who I actually met through cycling. She's from New Zealand and she has a similar history to me. And she just sent me a message that said that it meant a lot to her that I was selected because it shows that it's about more than it's just about more. The Olympics are about what you've gone through to get there and being the fullest version of yourself. And you don't have to be a perfect person. Yeah, exactly. And little messages like that and those moments of connection have been really, really powerful. And they make me feel that's why it feels good to me to go and why it feels so special to say I'm an Olympian, because I feel like it gives me the opportunity to connect with a lot of people that I see myself in and maybe they see themselves in me too. For sure. Lesbi. What do you see in Haley through this journey? You're a main support system for her through the ups and the downs. How has this been for you? Part of Haley's why and, and really striving to share her story in, in a way that helps others is super inspiring. And whenever, you know, whether it's talking to individuals or schools or whatever, like I think that's really important work and I can see the cost of it. Chatting about these things is not easy, but it's worth it. So I, I'm quite proud of her that she puts herself out there and does it. Yeah, lots of ups and downs for sure. I learned lots along the way too. 
Leslie is the most patient person I've ever met. I couldn't have met someone who was better equipped to take care of me. And that's actually what when my sister spoke at our wedding, she was my maid of honor. And her speech was about how she trusts Leslie to be there. She's okay with me. <laughs> she trusts him. And that's how I feel too. And these issues aren't just mine because they extend to the people that care about me. Yeah. And he is the perfect partner. Amazing. You guys are making me cry over here. I just have to blow my nose just a second. Yeah, beautiful. That moment of connection. We need to do life together and have that support system. And there's a cost to caring both ways. You guys are teammates, your partners, your friends, your husband and wife. And there's a lot of complicated relationships there. But at the end, you trust each other and we can feel the love from across the seas. So that's amazing that you're in there together. Thanks for sharing those beautiful words. That makes me think. Have you guys ever ridden a tandem bike together? I've never ridden a tandem. I'm too scared. <laughs> well, I, I was just wondering, because you guys are both like, pro cyclists, <laughs> if either of you would struggle to be on the back. <laughs> like, do both of you need that control on the front? Sure, yeah. I think Bailey would have to be driving. <laughs> I've never been on one, but I'd, I'd love to. It'd be a lot of fun. I think. Make sure somebody records it if you guys ever give it an attempt. Yeah. <laughs> I would also be scared of how fast you can go with two people pushing. Yeah. I think that Do you know how scary. fast Lola and Ed have gone? 103.7 kilometers <laughs> per hour. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that insane? I was watching some of the highlights from your recent world champs, and I'd honestly never watched tandem racing before. And you guys were racing on the track or like on a racetrack, right? Formula One in Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was wild. And like how tight it was yeah you know it's just like a road peloton but like on these really long bikes yeah, yeah it's like racing really fast buses and trying to <laughs> trying to like get in and, and not cut each other's wheels and right it's an extra long bike so all the pilots have to you change up how far away you 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 corner and you come in and we were taking that first corner right it's a, it's a straightaway with the wind behind us 70 kilometers an hour and then we hit that really hard corner and you're leaning the bike over and this with all the other bikes around it's gnarly it's super fun and in the time trial he clipped his pedal on the ground and it, it broke so he didn't have his power after that <laughs> so he didn't, oh didn't know what his power was and stuff but they yeah. still did top 10 in that one so it's just so competitive and i think that's why it's the, it's the power that they're both contributing because they're just visually impaired it's two completely abled bodies pow like strong yeah. Yeah. bodies <laughs> powering these bikes like i have felt yeah. on the front of the tandem when this guy decides to kick the power up a notch or two and i feel like <laughs> i'm going to rocket off the front of the bike it's terrifying <laughs> i look forward to you guys feeling that for each other <laughs> yeah, in a sprint we're sending like 3400 watts through the chains and the cogs oh. and everything else so it can be pretty nuts and the bike is flexing so i think you two together would have a lot of fun Did if you... norco makes tandems yeah. they should definitely do some kind of a promotion with you two on a tandem that would be that would be amazing especially documenting like a first ride <laughs> oh, anyway, i don't think we might not be married <laughs> but i know even training it's beautiful julie and i no matter how hard she works or how hard i work we're always together so we can communicate we can talk through the whole process if she's tired going up a hill or, or i'm tired i just unclip and let her pull me up so yeah. he doesn't love it when he's working really hard and then he realizes that I have my hands on the brakes. <laughs> it's a ton of fun. I've never really done cross country or mountain biking and I'd really like to try that on a tandem. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. It's another challenge for you guys. You could pilot yeah. him on a mountain tandem. Yeah. 
Eh? We can talk about it. Okay, let's do some writing. Some Team Canada crossover here. <laughs> Speaking of that, you guys represent, and so a little plug for Norco here. Our little boys, and they started out on Norco Storm bikes, and Julie had a Norco. It was stolen in broad daylight. Somebody <laughs> clipped the lock, let my son's bike fall, and it took off with mine, and life has never been the same. <laughs> anyway, no, I do miss my Norco. <laughs> Yeah, it's really cool to be supported by a Canadian company and a Canadian company that's come so far in the past 10 years with their bikes. It's a great team. I feel like it says a lot about the company that their relationships are so long-standing. Like mm. this is my 10th season with them. It's Leslie's 11th. Yeah. There's very little turnover in the athletes that they hire across all the disciplines that they support. And we're just really lucky to be with them. And it has been, it's been a really cool 10 years of, kind of developing alongside each other and getting to be involved in the creation of the new bikes and all of that. It's exciting. Did they sponsor your wedding as well? <laughs> no, but our team manager stood for Leslie yeah. in Oxford. Oh, oh that's cool. cool. I love that. I heard you say before how much Norco, they don't put as much emphasis on performance. So it's like a little bit less pressure. And it's- yeah, developing good people, developing good relationships and getting our own personal best out of us basically what they are looking for and it's not that we don't put an emphasis on performance but i think the performances will come out in that environment right oh yeah yeah you don't want to feel like oh if i don't podium or something i'm going to be dropped by my team you need to have a safe place to fail and they've always provided that yeah which has allowed us to succeed (laughs) exactly yeah and look where you are now so safety key word here in life emotion relationships and on the team Mm-hmm. You're both cycling Canada. So, hey, matching shirts, that's awesome. One of the things I heard you say in a different podcast was this idea of kind of the people pleasing piece, Haley. Like you want to please the coaches. And that's something I'm working on too. Maybe it's into you know, this kind of Sesame Street values of be kind, to be a good human, but we want to please other people. What's that been like for you that being coached and trying to please the coaches, but also now trying to take some ownership in the art of being an athlete? It's something that. I'm not at a place yet where I would want to take over my own training, where I, I'm not looking for quite as much ownership as someone who's maybe been, as, as Catherine, for example, who's had so much experience that, you know, she has coached herself for a few seasons. But I think I've always been motivated by the pats on the back and authority figures telling me, you did good. You did what we were looking for. I think that's just part of my personality. And now I've worked with my coach, Dan, who is also the national team coach. I've worked with him since 2012. So we're also friends. I mean, we have such a strong relationship that I can trust him to tell me when my efforts are bad and when they're good. And I've also learned that my coach is always happy if I give my best. And my downfall is probably that I sometimes try so hard that I dig myself into a hole. So trying to please authority can be negative in a way can hold me back because I I stress about it and I worry that I'm not trying hard enough or I go too hard on the first interval of a set because I fear this perceived failure. Mm. But I've just been really lucky, I guess, that the coaches and people in my life have been so supportive that they're way less harsh on me than I am on myself. Putting value in others' feedback has not been negative for me because I've been lucky to work with such good people. I think someday I'll develop into a more empowered athlete that can look after her own training more or that kind of thing. But for now, I'm very happy to have a relationship with my coach where it's collaborative, but I have so much faith and trust in him that whatever he tells me to do, I'll do it. And I believe it will make me fast. So, and, and that's just a relationship that works for me. Yeah. Mm. 
belief and trust and an amazing system. Cycling Canada and the coaches, the staff have done an amazing job of building up all of us. So it's, it's really exciting. And so a big thank you to all the Cycling Canada staff out there and, and Dan for getting Haley selected for the Olympics. This is huge. Yeah, it's huge. And I've just been so lucky in my whole life. In all the sports I've done, I've always had good coaches. Mm. And now, I mean, with things regarding safe sport and that kind of thing that is coming more to light, I realize how privileged I've been that I have never had to doubt the, the motives or the ethics or anything about any of the coaches I've ever worked with. Very, very lucky to work with good people and also just reminds me how important good people are and how it is a team effort. And yeah. Do you feel like your past life in hockey and dance has contributed anything physically or mentally skill-wise to cycling? Definitely. Hockey is essentially just a series of 30-second or 15-second maximum sprints for an hour at a time. That's just all it is ever. So I think I came into cycling with a pretty well-developed anaerobic system. Mm. Andrew and I are both like that. Like we're The short class stuff is quite easy for us. Yeah. Natural. Yeah. The endurance end of the spectrum is what we have to focus more on. Mm. So I think that fitness space, I started playing hockey when I was five, four, six. I had a long time to develop that. And then I think dance just taught me a lot of like kinesthetic awareness. And it also taught me how to learn and how to process sequential movement. So that has really helped with how I process riding a new trail and how I see it in my head, how I visualize how I need to ride something and what it will look like. Mm. But also just being an active kid that does a lot of different sports, I think creates a huge base of physical literacy that it's all transferable. Mm, No matter what sport it is, it's all transferable. Man, you're articulate. So uh, also, (laughs) can you break down for me what, I mean, I guess it's been different in pandemic, but what a typical year looks like for you as far as how many races you do in a year and the training time, I know you were in Victoria, at least for part of your training for the year. And then do you have any off time or what does your a typical year kind of end up looking like? Leslie and I train together almost every day, which I think is pretty unique, both for couples and also just a couple that isn't a man and a woman. Like it's mm-hmm. not often that you train with someone of the opposite gender all the time. We typically take a couple weeks off at the end of the season after world championships And then I tend to struggle with that a little bit more than Leslie. So he'll take a little bit more time off than I do in September or October. And then our official training year starts usually November 1st. And then in the past year, we moved to Victoria and we kind of based out of there. And so far this year, we've really only spent three months there. We've paid rent all seven months. (laughs) (laughs) It really just depends on the year. There's been some years where we've not been in one place for more than two weeks for the entire year, just moving from place to place for races or training camps. And we found that that didn't really work. That's hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're currently trying just like a little more of a solid base. And then with the pandemic and not really being able to travel easily back and forth for races in Europe, we didn't really have that base. Usually we do just some general base in November, a team camp in December, often in California, in NorCal. And then we would do a big road camp in January. Then we start to break into intensity in February. And that's almost always been in Victoria, at least for the last seven years. And then usually some early season mountain bike stage racing works well for us. Then we come back, do the U.S. races. Um, March or April, April, early season Canadian races. And then it's just kind of a flow of back and forth between 
Canada and Europe and then fitting in other domestic races in there? It's usually seven world-level weekends, so either World Cups or World Championships. And then if we're lucky, we'll get three Canada Cups, probably three U.S. Cups. And then we almost always try to sneak in a stage race there. And then just a few other events that fit into the schedule. And how long have you been in Europe this time because of the pandemic? We came April 12th. Wow. And do you guys usually do the same races as each other? Yeah, that's a unique thing in mountain bike racing, which I wish other disciplines did. But to be a UCI event in mountain bike, you have to have a men's and a women's category. We're always at all the same races. Oh, that's so cool. This is big moment in career. And I first want to hear from Lesbie, what was this like hearing the official news that Haley was selected? It was really exciting. The reality is that we knew she had a really good shot for about two years. It was challenging to have that possibility there for so long without kind of a resolution. Yeah, It's not been easy. I don't think it's ever easy to make it to the Olympics. It's just not. And to see the never giving up in Haley through all of it, just really proud of her. Yeah. Haley, do you feel physically or mentally any different now versus had the Olympics been actually in 2020? I know based on like everything you can look at on paper, empirically, I am a faster athlete than when I did results in 2019 that earned me the spot. So empirically, I am a faster Haley than I have ever been. I have really struggled with the pressure of selection. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with the mountain bike criteria, but it was based on the 2019 World Cup season plus the first two World Cups Mm -hmm. of what was supposed to be 2020, but was pushed to this year. And it was just best result gets you the spot. So I ended 2019 with the best Canadian result in third place. So from that time when I did that result in May, it has been over two years of knowing but not knowing and being super uncertain. I think for any first time Olympian, they feel a lot of pressure, I would assume, because that's how I feel. But that pressure existed for so long because of the pandemic. And I think that has been the biggest challenge for me and the biggest thing that I'm struggling with. And I I know my first Olympics is, well, I'm hoping it's not my only Olympics, but my first Olympics is a learning opportunity. And the biggest thing I've learned so far has been about the stress and pressure of selection. And I've been struggling with that. So I'm working through it. And it's a lesson that I needed to learn in order to be able to perform and so for me getting the official news that I was selected I made the team I met the objective criteria it's happening the thing I felt was a lightning Mm. I felt like an exhalation of pressure that I didn't really realize I'd been carrying around for so long and it's been making me feel so so heavy a relief a lightness Physically, I'm the best I've ever been, and I just need to work through the the pressure and stress I feel and hope I can shed that and allow my best self to come out in Tokyo. Okay, amazing. Well, we definitely will be cheering for you. Lots of Canada will. Hopefully you find and you can use all those tools you've been practicing all these years to ground yourself and to use your community, your support system to go there and perform at the best Haley that she can perform at, which is awesome. Thank you. That's all I'm hoping yeah. for. It's <laughs> awesome. And there's mixed feelings here too. Andrew, you've been trying to get to the Olympics too. And how has that been that journey, right? There's this really huge excitement, but as I've also been pursuing this and right, there's disappointments along the way yeah. of races that didn't happen and results we didn't. So what's it been like for you to also not have that opportunity? 
I think I sort of knew in 2019 that it probably wasn't going to happen. Like it would be a real long shot. That was certainly challenging, but Haley and I are a team. So like if one of us makes it to the Olympics, that's a big win. Our teammate is also going, or my teammate. Um, Peter DeSera. Peter DeSera. And our team, we really support each other. And honestly, I feel amazing that he's going. He's really earned it. And I have this really cool opportunity right now to actually help these two get ready. And that's why I'm here in Andorra right now. Trying to do my best to support these two on the bike, off the bike. Mm. And it's something really cool to be a part of. And who knows? I'll keep trying. And if not, I mean, the journey's pretty good too. Yeah. I know it's easy to say this in my position, but what you just said there, I'll keep trying. To me, that's why the Olympics matter. I don't generally remember who medals or what the records were, anything like that. I really remember the sporting moments where people laid it all out there and it didn't work out. Those moments of human rawness where you put it all out there, you express yourself to the fullest extent and whether or not that ends in an Olympic or a Paralympic journey or a different path in sport, that is why sport is powerful to me. The Olympics aren't everything. There's so much to achieve in sport and it must be still going for it. It's got more dreams than that. Yeah, it's awesome to be supporting these guys right now. And I'm honestly like so deeply happy for both of them. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is you can't even go to Tokyo, can you? No. How do you feel about that, Haley, having the lack of spectators? The spectators, as a general rule, it doesn't really impact me that much, but definitely not having Leslie and my family there mm. is pretty sad. Yeah. In 2019, when the season finished and we were pretty certain that my result would stand, my mom actually bought everyone plane tickets to Tokyo for Christmas. Oh. Refundable. But this really has been a family journey. They come to every race. They have watch parties every time the race is on Red Bull. Mm. They're just so supportive. And having them and Lesby there was one of the big motivators for me. Yeah. When I pictured my Olympic moment, my mom and dad were there. Mm-hmm. So it's sad. But now I just have to yeah. be fast enough to make it to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you know which day you race? We race on July 27th in Tokyo at 3 p.m., which is in Toronto on Eastern time. It's 3 a.m. between Monday and Tuesday. So 3 a.m. Okay. July 27th. And how many races will you have? Just the one. So with mountain bike, it's just one cross-country race. How long is that? I actually don't know for certain. Our World Cup races are 80 to 90 minutes. But when I saw the program, it's listed as two hours. (laughs) So I think that maybe that's just the outer limit of the last finisher. I'm hoping it's not two hours. Okay. And you guys get a chance to train on the course and stuff before race time? Yes, we have, I think, eight days on course. Quite a technical course, so it's going to take a while to truly dial it in. You shared about your family. I just want to know what are one or a few of the lessons you've learned, the big takeaways that your parents have taught you in life? Oh, that's a tough one. My parents have always taught me that it's how hard you try that matters. They never placed emphasis on whether you got A's or B's or whether you made the team or not. They just wanted to see us give our best effort. That's probably a reason that I've come this far is that they helped balance the internal perfectionist tendencies I had with that growth mindset that they fostered in us. I think also I'm so incredibly close with my aunts and uncles and my grandmas and my siblings and everything matters because we're together. They've taught me that it's just who you do things with. 
and that's what gives things value and that's where my meaning is nice definitely i also inherited a work ethic from them my parents work very hard well parents out there take note you and Catherine's parents sound like mm -hmm. they had similar values and look at you both now so <laughs> <laughs> same question to you lesbie what have you learned from your family same thing like work ethic I'm a really good worker, really good trier, as I like to joke. <laughs> Mom and dad worked extremely hard growing up. All my brothers, they've kind of pursued their own passions and they've all found things unique to them. From my mom, I learned patience. The work ethic comes from both of them, but particularly my father. And probably from, you know, being the youngest of four boys, the competitive nature, that's pretty hard to avoid. <laughs> um, I remember... This one point growing up, one of my older brothers told me that I'll never be better than him at anything ever, which is like... That's one way to light a fire right here, all encompassing. <laughs> I took that and ran like, yeah. I'll show you, brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Words are important, and we do a segment about word bird, right? So this comes from Fred Penner. I remember Fred. He's awesome. But he has this idea where he teaches kids about the word and their meanings. And words have meanings to us. And I'm just going to do a little bit, kind of like a rapid fire, but unpack these things. Just kind of like these words are in the suitcase. Let's unpack them a little bit and see what they mean. Ready for word bird? Okay. First word, Haley, vulnerability. Openness and being authentic to who you are. Okay. A plus. Lesby, silence. Perfect. <laughs> we both like silence. We're both pretty introverted. Okay, yeah. I heard uh, in one of your interviews, you said that you sit in silence for 10 minutes a day. Yes. How? <laughs> <laughs> we do it for longer than that because neither of us really rides with music. So we go out a lot of hours a year on the bike with just no external stimulation in these moments of silence, are you trying to meditate or keep a certain thought in mind? Or is the mind wondering, okay, is that part of it? Because in that case, I wouldn't be that bad. But Mind wandering is definitely part of it. You have to expect it. And it's just about learning to be aware that your mind is wandering. Like pick up on the little bits of the narrative that's going on in your head and mm -hmm. identifying whether it's positive or negative. Mm -hmm. We both just really like silence. Yeah. <laughs> and one of those ideas that you've said before is this mindfulness in motion, being on the bike mm -hmm. and you're, you're moving mindfully through the world. And it's an amazing space and an amazing place to be in that flow state. Yeah. Four hours will go by and, you know, you didn't necessarily really think about anything, but you saw everything and you took it in and you come home feeling light and fresh. We use silence a lot in therapy. Silence is helpful in healing. Okay, word bird. This one's an interesting one. It's a name. Catherine Penderell. What does that mean to you? A role model. Inspirational. Someone who has always made me feel that I can. Whatever it is. They talk about the, the Shaleen Flanagan effect, where you rise higher yourself by lifting others up. Catherine does that. And it's not very common to find men or women in individual sports that truly do that. And she does. Mm. So perfect teammate. That's mm. all we did that. Aww. It's also not just other women. There was a point when I was more of an up-and-coming athlete that Catherine supported me financially to like help me make it out of carding money. Oh, wow. Her and her husband run a development mountain bike team. There's a lot there. And I would just add the word legend because yeah. she's done a lot in this sport over a really long period of time. We're so lucky to have her as part of cycling in Canada. Haley's especially lucky that she gets to go to the games with her. It's, yeah. it's going to be incredible. Yeah. 
Awesome. Good answer. Another word would go to Lesby first. Toughness. Never giving up. I would probably add to that. I think toughness and compassion have to go hand in hand. I think it's a misconception that toughness is just like dealing with stuff and continuing on. I think to truly be tough, you have to experience what you're experiencing and let yourself feel it and then find a way forward. And that's something I've had to learn in the last couple of years is how to marry self-compassion with grit and toughness. Beautiful. Next word, imposter syndrome. People tell me that I have it, but I just tell them that it's not a syndrome. I just am an imposter. (laughs) So that probably tells you about it right there, I guess. But I never feel like I'm good enough. I never feel like I'm deserving or whatever. And so part of my motivation is proving myself wrong, proving to myself that I'm enough as I am. Whatever I can do on that day is enough. Yeah. One of the things we look at in our work is it's not actually a syndrome. So people talk about imposter syndrome. It's actually more imposter thoughts. And you're, you have skills in challenging negative automatic thoughts and challenging unhelpful thoughts or stinking thinking and imposter thoughts are just the same thing. Hmm. I've never heard it said like that. So when those thoughts come in, we can use the same tools and strategies to identify those unhelpful thoughts and to replace them with more realistic thoughts. It's okay to be a beginner. I'm still learning. I'm overcoming. We're just getting a free session here. Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> free therapy. This is awesome. <laughs> Are going to get a bill? <laughs> For many, that's helpful. This idea that we all have imposter thoughts from time to time and to challenge them with the same tools that you have. And then you can build your confidence out of your competence. You are a competent rider. You are building competence every time you train and get that interval and move through it. And then when those imposter thoughts come in, you just say, hey, I have competence and I can be confident in that. And that's enough. It's a powerful tool. That's going to have to get written down in my notebook that comes with me. Mm-hmm. Hey, so you're going to Tokyo. Well, <laughs> in, <laughs> you, can, in you can go notebook. in yeah, Haley's yeah. journal. <laughs> I have other words, but I think we've done well and we've taken enough of your time. So we do want to give our thanks for you sharing your time, for your vulnerability, for your passion. We are inspired. We are cheering for you as well as lots of Canada is cheering for you guys. So thank you for this time. Thank you for having us on. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you. And I feel, I mean, you flattered me way too much, but it's just been really, really lovely to chat with you. Anything you'd like to promote? Everyone knows about them, I hope, but Fast and Female is one of my favorite charities and their mission is just to get more girls involved in sports and keep them in sports longer, which has been a key theme about what we've talked about is just how much I believe in the power of sport. Check them out and just want to leave with the message that sports are a powerful place to be and they teach you how to become the fullest version of yourself. Awesome. You and Catherine in particular, it's very evident that you guys are professional you guys responded so promptly to us and scheduled in right away. Well, thank you. So thank you. We appreciate it. I was fully expecting rejection. Like, she's so busy. There's so much going on. So no, I was thrilled for this invitation. Totally made my day just by accepting. The first episode that I listened to was after a really tough weekend in Italy with Haley earlier this year. And there was a brief period where I was just driving alone and Haley was riding to meet me somewhere along the way. And I listened to the piece with Tristan and it was so good. And I learned so much about Tristan, whom I work with a little bit on the Cycling Canada Athletes Council. I think your podcast is great and you guys do a really good job. And I like the dynamic between the two of you. Thank you. We like the dynamic between the two of you as well. Maybe you guys should start a podcast. (laughs)
Yeah, thank you for the kind words. This idea of creating a space to share stories of overcoming and those stories of resilience, grit, determination, but also it's not just in the end result, the outcome. It's that process like you talked about earlier. It's the process of trying. It's just beautiful. You speak, Haley, as well. And hopefully after Tokyo, you'll have some more time and with the pandemic loosening up. So if anybody wants to book Haley Smith to come speak and maybe also with Lesby, how do they book you? I have a website, HaleyHunterSmith.com that has a contact form. But to be honest, Instagram is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. I have an email button there and I love to share my journey and share the lessons I've learned. Awesome. And so many people benefit from that. So thank you. Mm -hmm. lots of love good luck we're cheering for you and thank you again for your time yeah you guys are awesome thank you both so much for joining us thanks so much and we'll be very loud when you're in tokyo so you might actually just hear us and think that you have more spectators there i can be very loud (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i just want to continue to talk to you guys there's so much i can learn from you (laughs) well that's what i said in the in the email like i feel like we could talk a long time hopefully one day in real life if you guys ever find yourselves in alberta or if we're at a same cycling canada thing or maybe paris (laughs) well have a great day you guys thank you so much Bye. bye Ah, Haley and Lesby, amazing people. That was a great conversation. They were so generous with their time and we can feel their love, their gratitude, their passion for sport, for life, for others, for their teammates. During the conversation, I alluded to Sesame Street values and this idea that they encompass and not to say that it's childish, but really to bring it back to the core. Malcolm's razor, the simplest answer is the best. This idea of human beings being the best versions of themselves, being kind to one another, respecting one another. And Andrew, Lesby, and Haley, they encompass that. They are so loving and kind and compassionate and articulate. They are just really, truly amazing human beings. They're the sweetest couple. Haley has definitely struggled in her past with some really deep thoughts on life and death and mortality and from a young age questioning meaning and purpose and the big why questions And that caused a lot of anxiety. She went to control the things that she could control. And that would be food and intake. And that led to disordered eating where she needed to get some extra help and support. But through that, she now has this gift that she can give to so many other girls who have body image issues that have struggles with their own food and identity. So she is uniquely gifted to help support others on their journeys. And she has also learned so many incredible tools. We didn't delve deep into it today, time constraints, but she's spoken in other places in her article online, but her idea of using gratitude journals and writing things down, she uses yoga and meditation, mindfulness and silence, sport, her social support. She's learned all these incredible tools to help her on this ongoing battle and struggle with some disordered eating thoughts. I said this during the conversation already, but I am just... So proud on behalf of all Canadians that Catherine and Haley were the mountain biking women selected to represent Canada in Tokyo. They are just both so real and authentic and their journeys are so relatable in very different ways. And they said that Catherine was a legend. I think Haley's a legend already and she's still young. She still has years and hopefully more Olympics even ahead of her. But the lessons that they are able to share are just so valuable. Yeah. Haley's involved with 
Fast and Female, and we had the pleasure of interviewing the founder of Fast and Female a couple podcasts ago. So if you mm. haven't heard that one, go back and check it out. Yeah, founder yeah. Chandra Crawford and program director Gabby Estrada. We had a conversation with them. A great organization that is spreading these messages to help women and girls as they continue on through life, through sport and otherwise. I'm just so excited for this new generation of girls who are just growing up with these amazing role models and let's just smash that patriarchy. I'm rooting for the girls out there just to rise up and be their best selves. Andrew showed amazing love and compassion towards Haley through this and as he's one of the biggest supporters in her life through her ups and through her downs, his patience, his love, his compassion for her, his dedication to sport, she is rising to a higher level because of so many people in her life. And Lesby is definitely one of those. Catherine's one of those. She speaks so fondly about her family, the lessons they've taught her. So life needs to be done in relationships, and they are very, very important. Yeah, Lesby's role in Haley's life is very similar to your role in my life. His qualities that she was listing and praising are very much your qualities as well. And I get the appreciation for that patience and support. Go teamwork. Yeah. <laughs> and couples um, that sweat together stick together, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't sweat the petty stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff. That's what I always say. <laughs> so another incredible story of somebody yeah. overcoming a lot in their life and achieving great things, but not just about the achievement. It's about the people along the way and the process and the lessons learned. We hope that you took something away from today's conversation and we hope that you continue on this journey with us as we continue to meet amazing, incredible people on their journeys through life. Yeah, and make sure you tune into the Olympics. I'm so excited. Oh, for you listeners out there, we're the type of parents that we were very, very strict about zero screen time for kids under the age of two, except for the Olympics. And then it was a little bit of a forced watching situation. We set up their booster seats in front of the TV. <laughs> so that's the only screen time they had under the age of two was the Olympics. And oh, we just love having the Olympics on around here. So can't wait to cheer them on. And we'll promote Catherine and Haley on our social media as well. The podcast social media is at OBSOPSPOD, that is O-B-S-O-P-S-P-O-D, our personal page at Julie Lolcan. And oh man, we are rooting for you guys. Mm-hmm. Go Canada, go. Tell you listeners again, thank you so much for your support. Until next time. Love you guys. Bye.